When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. Very excited today because we have in the studio, more or less, Joel Bynes, the author of The Metail Economy. And this is an interesting play. It's all about me today. It's the customer doesn't really, what are they thinking? They're thinking it's it's all about me. What about my needs? <laughs> but seriously, great book, The Metail Economy, Six Strategies, and it'll explain to us why it's they are really the ingredients for transforming your business to thrive in the me-centric consumer revolution. By the way, I don't care if you're B2B, B2C, the ideas we talk about will apply today. Real quick announcements, as usual, if you've got an amazing story you want to share with us or you've got a question you want me to answer, just go to any of the social media channels. I'm there. If it is a question, use the hashtag AskShep. I'll answer the question directly there in this show, maybe in my newsletter or on my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home. That can be found on Amazon Prime, uh, Apple TV, Roku, and you can always go to YouTube and just go to beamazing.tv and those episodes will pop up. That's beamazing.tv. We are just jumping into season three of the TV show. Kind of excited. We were going to record uh, and then a snowstorm hit. So we've been delayed, but we've got the episode one of season three coming up. But that's not what this is about. This is about the interview with Joel Bynes today, author of The Metail Economy. Joel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Shep, for having me. I really appreciate it. So we have a lot to talk about. First of all, the book, The Metail Economy. You can get it on Amazon. It keeps selling out. And then <laughs> you'll see if it's there, just put your name in. They're going to get more. But that's a good sign when they keep saying sold out. And then it's back in stock, sold out again. So obviously, the book is doing extremely well. Well, I appreciate it. As a as a retail guy myself, I hate to see the sold out sign going up, uh, but I but it is a good sign. So yeah, it's 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 kind of a double edged sword. You know, and and to make a point that I talked about uh, in the intro, I said even if you're B two B, I want you to listen to this. I, and some of our listeners who tune in on a regular basis have heard me talk about this example. But I had a client in the healthcare world. They ordered this huge piece of X ray equipment, cost more than a half a million dollars. And they had to build out a specific room with the right kind of electricity, cooling, whatever it is they had to do, they had to do it right. The piece of equipment, which is large, shows up unannounced like two weeks before uh, it was supposed to be there. The room wasn't ready. And the executive that was my client said to me, you know, when I order toilet paper from Amazon, I can't believe they send me an email to tell me it's on its way. I, I had no idea this was going to show up. <laughs> and I thought, well, there you go. We've just uh, recognized that what is happening at any level, the best experience is what people have as a new benchmark for what all experiences should be. That is exactly right. And the bar gets raised every day. Yep. So tell us about Metail. What is, how did you come up with the word Metail? I love it. 
Well, I, I have been a student of the consumer since I was a teenager and, and made my spending money uh, in working in retail jobs and other other types of consumer facing jobs. And then for almost 30 years after I graduated from college and uh, part of doing what I do, which at the moment I run the global retail practice for a business consultancy called Alex Partners, but it involves a really deep understanding of what's happening in the industry. And, and about 10 years ago, I remember having one of those feelings about things that had changed. And I'm sure uh, many of the people listening have had these sorts of feelings before. And I had to really work hard to put my finger on what had changed. And what I realized was that something had fundamentally changed in the relationship between companies and consumers. The world I grew up in and for generations before was filled with this uh, phrase, merchant princes. These were the people that would determine what was sold to whom, where, at what price, in what environment, and so on and so forth. And, and they were really the heroes of the retail space. And what I realized is increasingly, we saw fewer and fewer heroes and we saw more and more companies struggling. That's when it dawned on me that consumers had kind of taken control. They'd become more me-centric. And yep. then, of course, the word me-tail hit me and I thought, well, this is good. Maybe I should see if I could write a book. And three and a half years later, here we are. I, it only took three <laughs> and a half years. <laughs> well, you're lucky you didn't do it in the middle of the pandemic. At least you're doing it toward the backside of the pandemic. And, yes, uh, let's hope it's yeah. the backside. My, my book came out last year and was like, I have no speaking engagements to take the book to, and, yeah. uh, you know, but anyway, that I digress. Well, that's pretty cool. So I agree. I think customers have taken over. They're in the driver's seats. They're dictating more and more what they expect. I also think overall they are smarter. And mm-hmm. the reason is because great companies teach them what good services. So they now expect that from others. And, you know, I love the idea. It's all about me, the me tail, uh, because I know what I want. And I know that if you don't give it to me, I'm going to go somewhere else and get it. Absolutely I think that's right. the difference. Uh, the tolerance level of putting up with whatever is just lower than ever. Not just the tolerance level, but the friction level is lower than ever. So the way I like to describe it is consumers forever have had agency. We all have agency. We've all had agency, but we've never had power. And now we have Now, when you say agency, define that for us. We could always... We owned our agency. We could buy a thing at a place or not buy a thing at a place. We could, you know, no one was forcing us to be a consumer of a certain retailer or a certain experience or something like that. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you're in the airport and you need breath mints, then you're screwed and you got to pay eight bucks for a you know, tube of lifesavers. <laughs> but, but other than that, there are very few experiences. And even there, you could have chosen just to have bad breath on the whole flight. So it's not, you know, it's not that big a deal, but they didn't have any power in the relationship. And so what I, what I talk about in the book is why did we get here? How are we at a place where consumers now have power? And in addition to what you're saying about the the experience bar being raised every minute of every day, which I completely agree with. I love what you have to say on that topic. We also have information at our fingertips that we never had before. Amen. Yep. And we have access to each other. And what I say in the book is I say that forever, if we were going to make a purchase, we used to turn to consumer reports. And now we turn to consumers reports. We care more about what each other think. And that's the fundamental change that's taken the company completely out of the equation. Ratings and reviews is what you're correct. Yep. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So really interesting. Yeah, we did a study and uh, people are they they love reviews. I think people 
they don't realize just how many times they do a rating or a review. I think uh, we asked, do you do ratings three times, five times, 20 times a year? And I think they gave me a very conservative number, but the point is almost everybody's willing to leave a review or leave a, a rating like a five star or, or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, look, if we think about each of us, one of the things I love about writing about the consumer economy is I'm writing for business people, but business people are consumers themselves. So mm-hmm. everyone relates to the consumer economy in some way because it's unavoidable. And so um, the, the, the ratings and reviews portion of it is, is, the, is the idea, and you see it in people's eyes when you talk to them about it, this idea that if we're, gonna, if we're in a city and we're looking up a restaurant, you're going to a site that's going to give you customers' views of the restaurant. You're not necessarily finding the newspaper critic that's written up the restaurant anymore. Right. Even if you do, maybe you'll go hunt for something else because you think the people that are writing on these things have found the newer place and so forth. There's just, it's if you think about, you know, I grew up in the 70s and, and 80s, and you just think about what it was like back then and the way it was back then was the way it had been forever now today everything we do we do it from a different different vantage point with different tools and different information yep the book again the Metail economy and i want to go through your six strategies or as yeah. you like to refer to them as ingredients curation customization category expertise cost convenience community Let's, you know, we only have about maybe 15 minutes. We're going to take a short break in a little while, but let's go through at least curation and customization to get started. I'm so glad you picked those two because those are my favorite. So let me just they're put the, an umbrella. They're in order of what's <laughs> <laughs> let me Let me put an umbrella over this, which is the way I want people to think about these six C's are ingredients. And imagine that you are in the great consumer baking show. You all have a box with the same six ingredients in it, and you have to decide what recipe you want to cook for your consumer. So what I say very clearly up front is I'm not, this is not a prescriptive book. What I've done is I've boiled down six ways you can create meaningful connections with consumers in this environment. So let's take curation for just a second. Curation is the art of defining and producing a set of experiences, products, locations, digital, physical, whatever it is, so that the person is thinking that someone picked all of these things just for me, just for me. It's the eye of the curator. It's the museum uh, wall. It's It's the store you walk into and you think, man, look at all the care and effort that went into every element of this place to give the impression that it is just this one curated experience. And so therefore, the point that I make in the book is if you are going to choose a healthy dose of curation as your competitive strategy, you need to understand that that's very difficult to scale. There are very few examples of true curator businesses that have been able to scale beyond the curator herself or himself. So I'm trying to be brief, but that's the interesting thing about the curation one. The convenience Mm -hmm. one, I absolutely love talking about. Customization. Oh, sorry, customization. We will eventually get to convenience. convenience. Yeah, maybe we get back to convenience. The customization one is actually one of the easier ones to produce because of technology. So consumers want to have a say in the products, experiences, locations, and so forth that they want to spend their money. And that's just a fact of dealing with the me-centric consumer today. Because of technology, whether you're manufacturing clothes or delivering an experience, it's never been easier to customize some component of the experience. And what I caution people on is that doesn't mean it has to be bespoke. 
You can provide the illusion of customization. What I say is find the number of things that gives the consumer the sense that the consumer is customizing something, add one or two more, and you're fine. So you don't have to take it all the way to the build one thing at a time every time that a lot of people think of when they think of pure customization. Yeah, the Nike membership program does exactly that. Exactly. You sign up for it. And they recognize that you're buying running shoes versus golf shoes versus baseball shoes or track shoes or whatever. And they will send you information relevant to you and what you buy, not to all of the brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're designing the shoes, it's, it can feel like you have a, a limitless number of possibilities of colors and soles and so forth with the Nike ID program. But the reality is there's a set range of stuff that you could choose from among. It just feels so extensive that you right. think it's pure customization. Yep. Love it. Love it. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the Metail economy. And we're talking with Joel Bynes, the author of the Metail Economy. Don't go away. Hi, Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert. And I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll-be-back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back talking with Joel Bynes, the author of The Metail Economy. And we've already covered the, the first two of the six C's, the ingredients to really, um, um, I guess what we're doing is just building stronger relationships. We're creating stronger relationships through teaching, through educating, giving the customer more power uh, when they understand what it is they're buying. We talked about curation. We talked about customization. And now I know this is probably more retail focused, but everybody listening, it doesn't matter whether you're retail B2B, B2C, even in the government, you need to be listening to some of these ideas. Some of these ideas, actually, I would venture to say all of them apply to virtually any type of business. Let's jump into category expertise. Category expertise is is really a lost art. And um, I think each of us remember an experience where you walked in, could be a wine shop, could be a cheese shop, could be a hardware store. And you just knew that the people that were in there knew everything that there was to know about the things that they were selling. And it's just a fascinatingly interesting experience. It is also a difficult one to scale because the people that work in the store have to understand these things at that level. And you have to have training and everything else. One of the things I do in the book is, Talk about if you're going to choose these uh, ingredients, what the repercussions are operationally. So, I, you know, I take it down to a very practical level. But that's what category expertise is. It's that sense that any question that you might have about the thing that you're doing is easily answered by the person you're talking to. Yeah. Do you know the number one, the number one reason people like doing business with a company? And again, we did a consumer study of over a thousand consumers. Uh, weighted to basically the, uh, the general population of the United States, uh, age, ethnicity, geography, 
gender, uh, even income. And uh, the, the top two, almost neck and neck, are they want helpful and knowledgeable people. That's the category expertise ingredient in my book. Yep. There you go. So that's what, cata- you know, knowledgeable. Uh, how about cost? Cost is both easy and almost the most difficult one of the C's. Forever, cost was relative. It was extraordinarily difficult to compare prices of like items or similar items across retailers just because of the physical need to be in one place or another place. What technology and access to each other and information has done is it made it, it's made it completely a level playing field on cost. So just the simplest way to think about it is cost means cost. And I, I say in the book, this is probably the ingredient most will want to use least because if you are going to use cost as a competitive advantage, then it's got to be the lowest cost. At all times, because consumers are very, very smart and they're very savvy with technology. And if you're touting yourself as a cost player and you're not, in fact, a cost player, then that's it. You're dead forever to the consumer. Yeah. And can I throw out a warning in in any any business? If if and you tell me if I'm wrong, I'm I'm will I'm asking you to push back if I am incorrect about this. Cost is really important. And really what you're saying is price is important. And if you create the right experience, you can make price less relevant, not irrelevant, but less relevant. Uh, In some cases, I guess it could be irrelevant. But when somebody is loyal to you, why? They have the lowest prices. They're really not loyal to you. They're loyal to your price, which means, to your point, as soon as they uh, see a a lower price, they're going to get it. Now, I think the exception to that might be Amazon. Mm -hmm. Because they right up front say you can buy this outside of the Amazon Prime world um, through an outs or I guess they call it the third party uh, marketplace yeah, marketplace, which yeah. means they're using the Amazon platform and they are happy to share that information with you. How many people and I don't know, this is maybe a rhetorical question. How many people by a percentage do you think say, oh, Amazon just told me where to get it at a lower price. I'm going to go there. Or how many of them say you know, it is a lower price, but Amazon Prime, they get it here in two days. If there's a problem, I call them. You know, what's what's your take on that? I, I think it is a fraction of the uh, total population that shops on of Amazon Prime customers that go outside of the Prime ecosystem because yep. it's not price that Amazon provides. It's the next C that I think we're going to get to, which is convenience. They what a built- perfect segue. <laughs> what a perfect segue. <laughs> that was so well done. Well, look, I mean, it, it, if you think about the Amazon ecosystem, it is designed to remove friction. It is the Mm -hmm. ultimate friction eliminator. One click buying, the opportunity to see a range of products, the fact that it's consumers that are posting the reviews, the Amazon recommends, everything that they do, they do to make it easy for you to do business with Amazon. And the brilliance of the model is you can tell because of what you just said, which is there's plenty of stuff that they do that doesn't necessarily benefit Amazon's bottom line in that instant for that transaction. But they know that if they maintain an ecosystem of convenient access to the things that people want to buy, over time, they will win one experience after the next, after the next. Like you talk about, they will win the loyalty of their particular me's that are attracted to that type of convenience. 
Yeah. So I think convenience is a competitive differentiator. Definitely before the pandemic, it was. I think through the pandemic, a number of companies that had never thought about delivering to customers or doing other convenient type strategies, if you will, uh, they never thought of it. But now they they did it and the customers now expect it. So they can't go back. Uh, I believe convenience has become an expectation today, not just a nice to have. Yeah. And the, the watch out that I put in the book is... Uh, the question you need to ask yourself if you're thinking that convenience is uh, an advantage you're providing is convenient for whom? Too often, I find company executives start with convenient for the company. Well, if we do this, it'll reduce our costs or it'll uh, reduce our complexity or it'll save some uh, some time or you know whatever it is but but then you say well is that a convenience for the customer and if you if the answer if you're not asking the question the answer is convenient for the customer and work backwards then you're doing convenience wrong that's the main point yeah um we always say if you want to start a convenience strategy look at your journey map if you haven't done a journey map do one look at every interaction point you have and say is it as easy as it could be then step back and look at the process and say, is there something we can do differently? What piece exactly of friction are we adding that we could take away? To the most simplistic example, and by the way, I wrote a book titled The Convenience Revolution. It was, uh, and nobody had up until that time, uh, the closest thing that was out there was called uh, The Effortless Experience. Mm-hmm. But all of that was on the customer support mm-hmm. that companies offered, make it easy to get to. I wanted to look at everything. Anyway, uh, this whole concept of convenience, the, I believe it was the Wall Street Journal uh, had uh, an online subscription form. They want you to buy online, right? They'll give you a certain number at no charge of reading articles and they have to buy. And what they found was they wanted to know your name, your email address, credit card information. They asked a number of other things as well. Every time they eliminated one of the boxes to fill in, it reduced friction by ever so slightly. And their percentage of, of sales went up just a tiny bit. So really, what do you need? You need the name, email address, so you can email the subscription to them and their payment. You don't need anything else. Now, later on, you could probably get it if you do it the right way. But they that's that was just the simplest idea of convenience. So this is Amazon one click buy. If, if you're a right. loyal Amazon customer and you know you need something, you go look it up on Amazon. There's a big yellow button that says buy with one click. Yep. What could be more convenient than that? Uh, actually, they came up with a better way. You just say to the little lady named Alexa, right behind me. <laughs> oh, look at this. It, it, you can see it just it lit up as soon as I even barely they, whispered her name. They, uh, they are very <laughs> you just keen. say, I need more toilet paper. And they go, okay, uh, it'll come real soon. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even open up the computer anymore. That's All right, right. We've got one more here, and that is community. So community is a big one because as the me's, which are consumers, but they're also your employees or they're your customers in a B2B concept context. But as the me's fragment more and more, which I don't want to, I don't want to make an indictment of society, but unfortunately we're sort of fragmenting into these smaller and smaller tribes. The connection is what the me's are looking for. And so there's not one community for everyone, but if you're going to build a community to attract a set of me's who share a common set of beliefs, maybe it's in sustainable food, maybe it's in, uh, uh, sustainable uh, production. Maybe it's an environmentally friendly recycling, whatever it is. If you're you're talking your community, community as in do something nice for the community. A not so much. Yes, but but not so much like the well, it's all of it. But the point is, if you're going to build a community of people, 
right? If you think about, for example, a Lululemon that builds a community of health conscious exercise enthusiasts, okay, you have to make sure that every single part of your organization is set up to deliver against that community. And it is very difficult to build a community and it is very easy to lose a community in the metail world. If you make one slip up, your me's are less forgiving today than they've ever been in history. And it's much easier for them to tell each other when you've screwed up. So if you believe that you are using the community ingredient, then you have to be relentless about making sure that you manifest that community focus in everything that you do. That makes total sense. Um, we have recently in our survey, we asked if uh, having a cause or standing for something was really important. Is this part of building your community? Absolutely. If, if your consumers say that it is, then it is for you. If your consumers don't care whether you have a cause or don't, don't have a cause, your particular consumers in terms of what business you're in, then fine. Then you don't need you maybe yep. just a pinch of the community ingredient. Right, right. Makes sense. All right. So those are the six curation, customization, category expertise, which is knowledge, cost, convenience, and community. And the book, again, it is titled The Metail, M-E, like retail, but metail economy. And I believe all of the things we talked about really do apply to virtually every business. We have time for one last question. You know it's coming. It is the one thing question, the last nugget of information. The one thing that you want to make sure our audience hears, what would it be? No matter what you're doing, in whatever context, start with your consumer and work backwards. If you are not starting with your consumer and working backwards, you're wasting your time. All right. I love that. I'm going to ask you a follow-up question to that. By doing that, does that mean every decision you make has to make the customer happy? Every incremental interaction with a customer over time should be with the goal of making the customer happy. But mm -hmm. you can choose which customers that you want to make happy and, and don't want to make happy. But you have to understand that in choosing, you're going to create a group of people who will no longer want to be your customers. Just make sure it's intentional is the That's point. That's the point. Yeah, because if you decide, hey, we have to raise our prices, nobody's going to be happy with that. Okay. Correct. But if there's a good explanation behind it, at least you're giving some good thought. If we don't raise our prices, we can't afford to bring the good people in to keep supporting the customers, to give them the service that they deserve. We'll be out of business because they're not going to love us anymore for what they've loved us for in the past. That is my point. You don't have a choice. You have to do what you have to do to deliver your success recipe with mm -hmm. these six ingredients in the retail economy, and you don't have a choice. Yep. Great, great insights, Joel. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this immensely. Thank you. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. All right, everybody, that wraps it up. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio, and we will be back next week with another interview. So please come back. And until that time, remember to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.